Squats and Margaritas, it's nutrition coach Sharon Sapir. We're talking all things diet, intuitive eating, your metabolism, why you should be lifting, why protein and sleep are so important, even a little bit of eating disorder recovery. You're getting it all this week. Here is my episode with Sharon Sapir. I'm so excited that you're doing this. Um, Squats and Margaritas is about balance. I talk about fitness, nutrition, drinking, all the things. And When I have a nutritionist on, I always just assume that you're healthy and balanced and you've always been that way and you probably won't relate to any of my mess, but no. (laughs) So you didn't have an eating disorder, but you could say you struggled with disordered like mindset around eating that kind of stemmed from your mom's like dieting habits. Yeah, I mean, there there were so many things involved in that. Um, For for one, I feel like I was just born with a love of junk food. Like I'm just wired that way. Like, I mean, junk food isn't even like the politically correct term anymore for it. So I'm gonna (laughs) say treats or desserts. Um, They just light up my reward centers, like maybe shopping does for other people, or, you know, it's just like what makes me super happy, changes my brain chemistry. So I've had that since I was little. And then my mom was super, super, super weight conscious. Um, I feel like it's just almost her generation. Like they didn't have body positivity. Like they weren't supposed to have butts. Like, you know, it was being thin was like a status symbol. And it's very natural. I think as a mom, you want the best for your child. That's how, you know, she's thinking she didn't want me to have a problem with weight. And she always had to eat like a bird in order to keep her figure. So there was constantly talk around, you know, I was petrified of salad dressing till like a few years ago. Yeah. I mean, because every time there was salad dressing, she'd be like, that's so fattening. So I obviously didn't realize like all that subliminal messaging was giving me issues. And I was always struggling between I love junk food, but I don't I don't want to I don't want to get fat. And to complicate matters, my dad um, was diagnosed with type two diabetes when he was 40 and he was real thin. It runs in my family. We don't have good genes. So on top of the messaging to be thin, there was messaging of you better keep yourself healthy or you're going to get diabetes and heart disease and everything else that runs in in my family. So it's very complicated. And it led me to become a diet book expert. I you know, I read oh. <laughs> similar to to you. Um, I read every diet book, and I became um, extremely entrenched in the good food, bad food. Funny enough, I did not get into the calorie territory because my mom was always talking about calories, and so I it was. I like rebelled against it, yeah. but all the diet, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but all the diet books that I read really vilified food. You know, it was no sugar was evil, or dairy was evil, or grains were evil, or all of the above. Mm-hmm. And so I would argue with my mom. You know, when she'd say, "Oh, that has so many calories," I'd be like, "No, but it's not going to to spike my insulin, so I'm not going to gain weight." And so this is where you're wrong, and that's kind of where I came from for years until I actually felt like an expert from all these diet books. I I felt like enlightened and and like I wanted to help other people, but I felt like I needed credibility. And so I said, you know what, I'll go to school and get a degree 
for the name. And so I went to, to Columbia and I got my master's in nutrition. And that's what it really started out as is like, I know, I know my shit, but I need to prove that I'm an authority. So I'm going to get my degree. And thank goodness I did, because that was the beginning of a transformation to where I am today, which is a very balanced approach, but it took a long time. Yes. <laughs> I'm so, that's so funny. That's why I need you here. Cause I'm always like, I'm not a nutritionist or I'll do a workout. I'm like, but I'm not a trainer. I'm not an expert. But like you said, I was like, I know all the things because I was on the zone, South Beach, Atkins, like fast metabolism, every diet. So I knew, and I feel like um, when we were growing up, like I feel like we're the same age, it was carbs, carbs were the enemy. So everything was low carb. But what I would do is I would get like a low carb I don't know, whatever it was, low carb bread or low carb cookies and be like, but it's low carb or even or low fat. And I would eat the entire package because it was low carb or low fat. Whereas now I eat the cookie, the regular one, but I just have one and I enjoy it more. And before everything was, like we said, bad, off limits and Mm -hmm. you struggle. And I say I'm still on a journey to finding the balance. I struggle sometimes, too. I never got um, I never went to therapy and got help for my eating disorders. I just stopped doing it and thought that, you know, I'm fine. I'm not doing those behaviors anymore, but I still have like the noise, like you still, but I don't like abuse my body anymore. And I do strive for the balance. And the balance for me is having something that you enjoy and you need to have, and maybe going without something that you don't, you don't need to have. Like for me, I'll leave the bun off my sandwich. Cause it's like, whatever to have some fries. So I make like swaps. And I never feel deprived because I get the thing that I want, but I'll make a, ba- I'll balance it out, you know, somewhere else in the day. Yeah. And that's a skill. I mean, that's something that takes a <laughs> long time to achieve, but it is really a skill. And it's, it's what I strive with my clients to also help them achieve because it is that constant balancing. Because if I eat everything, I always wanted to, then I wouldn't have that balance. I mean, it's just the truth for me, but I have to eat things that I like every day. I have dessert every day. And it's it's like a (laughs) non-negotiable for me. Because that's what you, for me, a margarita, like I need that. And if I didn't have it, I would quit on this healthy lifestyle because it's not sustainable. If you have the thing that you love, it's not, it's not hard anymore. Like I restricted for 20 years, like from 16 to 36 calorie restriction, like over exercise. Mm-hmm. And it was, I was miserable and I was 20 pounds heavier. And I feel like now I, it's more like intuitive eating, like checking in, being mindful. Are you hungry? Eat. Are you just eating because there's food still on the plate? Like check in. If you're satisfied, stop eating. Just checking in has changed everything for me. And I can eat what I want, but I'm mindful about it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I, um, I love your book, by the way, I feel like I have to plug it. (laughs) Um, It was just, it was such a fun and insightful and important read. And I, I read, you know, that you, you really are so in tune with your, your hunger and fullness and you never eat until you're uncomfortably full because you know, food is coming it's it's not you're not depriving yourself anymore and i think that's so important honestly sharon though like i i don't trust myself i can't get full like that i mean i haven't binged and purged in 14 years but that feeling of being so full i feel like will trigger me back that like you have to get rid of it but i never get that full again so it's not a trigger for me 
because before I would eat until I physically threw up. So it, you just, it was such an abuse of my body. Like I'm, st I was starving and then I was, you know, throwing up my food and like you do all the damage to like your, your throat and your mouth and all the, like just abusing my body. And now I just, I respect my body. I give it what it wants. And it's almost like my body kind of just leveled out and trusts me again. And it's like, yeah. oh, she's, she's going to feed me today. Like she's not going to throw up afterwards and it's working again. It's like my metabolism was just kind of like, because I restricted for so long. And it's funny, we were messaging about my fitness pal. That's kind of mm -hmm. what changed it for me when I realized how much I was under eating for how much I was working out. And I think that's a good thing that we should touch on. Like the woman that is restricting her calories because we're told calories in versus calories out and is not seeing the scale move. Can you just kind of speak on eating more to kind of turn on your metabolism? Yeah, I mean, first of all, in terms of counting calories, it's so important what the context is around it because calories are just information. It's just data. Even not, I would say a very small, maybe like a quarter of my clients keep a MyFitnessPal log and I am fine with it because they're fine with it. You know, I, I screen for that, but I always tell them if you're hungry, go over your calories. Your body is so much smarter than that number in the app that's giving you a limit. Like, I wish they didn't give limit. I hate that. Yeah. And you know what? And if you're not hungry, then, then don't eat. It's just like, it's just information. And when you don't eat enough, you are stressing your body out. And when you stress your body out, you create a whole chain of a hormone, hormone, I can't talk hormonal reactions that are going to work against you. When your body is stressed, you retain water. Your metabolism doesn't work as well. I mean, I am a huge fan of, um, have you heard of Dr. Stacy Sims? Um, Ready to down. Yeah. Um, women are not small men. She, or she wrote the book Roar. She has a program called Women Are Not Sm Small Men. And she really specializes in actually in female athletes. And yeah. she's an expert. And she's so against like intermittent fasting for athletes, for women. Yes. About that. <laughs> and it's for all those reasons. You know, she says it affects thyroid function. You, we have to respect our bodies and give our bodies the fuel it needs it's it's yeah non-negotiable yeah can we talk about intermittent fasting because i had are you familiar with dr michael greger he runs nutritionfacts.org and he wrote yeah. how not to diet he is i mean a nutritionist and an author and i very much respected him he said we should not be eating after seven and when people, he does believe in like eating hours, like intermittent fasting for anybody that doesn't know is you set hours that you eat between like, you eat between 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. every day and not any other time. So I think the idea is that your body can kind of rest and not be digesting your food. And a lot of people, well, some people get weight loss benefits from it. But he was saying the people that do intermittent fasting and aren't eating until, like say you get up at seven and you're not eating your first meal till noon, he's like, that is the worst thing that you yeah. can do. He's like, and if anything, you should stop eating earlier and then eat as soon as you wake up. Is that, are you in line with that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've, I've definitely read about that and how it is more helpful um, to eat earlier in the day versus later in the day. In terms of intermittent fasting, it's such like a gray area for me because there are people that it really works for. And so I can't, 
poo-poo it and say, you know, no one should do intermittent fasting. When you say work, like weight loss, like what is the benefit? Weight, weight loss? Yeah. So I, what I think the benefit of intermittent fasting is I don't really believe in like a magical ability to lose fat due to intermittent fasting. I believe that some people just do really well with hard lines. And so that if, if they're struggling with food because they've always eaten too much in the evening time, okay. and then all of a sudden their window cuts off at eight o'clock when they were getting all the extra calories at 10 p.m., then they're going to see a huge benefit because okay. now they stop the habit in its tracks. That makes sense. Um, and, you know, intuitively also giving the body a break, like, 10 to 12 hours. So between your last meal and your first meal, that makes sense to me. It makes sense that our system be- could benefit from resting, but I, I really don't believe the hype around, you right. know, fat burning magical benefits. That I can't do it. Like it's ever since I turned my metabolism back on, I mean, I eat all no. the time and I would be so yeah. hungry and I wouldn't be respecting my body or listening to my body if I did intermittent fasting. Yeah. So I just feel like I need to listen. My body tells me now, for a while, it did not. <laughs> now it tells me what I need. Uh, Shelly's asking, do you ever not know you're hungry and forget to eat, only to find out that later you need to eat more? Um, well, I'm, I'm kind of like you, Erin. So I eat, like, all the time. Mm-hmm. So not for me, but I do have clients who struggle with running around all day. And when you have that, then it's like your adrenaline's going and you're not hungry. And then as soon as you have just some time to breathe it hits you like a Mack truck Mm -hmm. and you get to that hunger that makes it feel hard to control your choices because that's just biology like we're still human and yeah you know geared for survival and so my advice is always to if it's been a while since you've eaten last have a snack like i'm pro protein bars and protein Mm -hmm. shakes depends right a lot of them are just glorified candy bars Mm or loaded with sugar and whatnot but there are some great ones out there and have a snack with you or even trader joe's has these olives in a little packet um yeah they're like single serve like olives i always have those in my purse just so that i'm getting something and reminding myself that I need to eat. It's going to hold me over till I actually get a meal. I think that's such a good tip. Just having something on you. Um, yeah. Because like I have two kids, like you're, you're running around. Yeah. If you see it, you're not thinking about it, but if you see it, the same thing mm-hmm. with water. Like I always have water in my car, in my purse, like everywhere. So if you're looking at it, because sometimes you are, you think you're hungry, but you could be thirsty and you're just dehydrated. Yeah. yeah. So how important is um, hydration? If somebody's looking to lose weight, um, I don't think it's the determining factor. It, it's very helpful. Okay. You know, when I think of weight loss, I think of a toolkit. So we have all sorts of tools in there and being hydrated is a great, I don't, I mean, I don't know if you call it a tool, but it's, yeah. it's just helpful I, because like you said, sometimes you think you're, you're hungry, but you're actually thirsty. Sometimes when you're dehydrated, you feel really sluggish and tired. And then what's our instinct when we're feeling sluggish and tired energy, yeah. I need energy. So then you start looking for snacks. Mm-hmm. So, and it, and it's good for our metabolism by how much I don't know scientifically, you know, I've seen numbers thrown around. I don't know Fair. if there's any actual conclusive, um, but it's helpful. So, yeah. Okay. And sleep. You just made me think of that too. Like oh. if sleep, some people don't think like sleep and weight loss have any kind of correlation or like maintaining your weight, but yes, 
Yeah. I mean, just like under eating stresses your body and that has a chain effect that's not desirable in terms of weight loss, not sleeping enough stresses your body too. And there's a lot of evidence that when you don't sleep well, you, you are a often hungrier. So you crave the simple carbs Mm -hmm. because they give you quick energy. Nothing's going to give you quicker energy, right? Nothing's going to absorb into your bloodstream, you know, faster. And you, but, but it's like a double whammy because we also don't use those carbs as energy as efficiently when we're exhausted. So Mm -hmm. it's like you crave it, but they're not even that helpful. Wow. Either. Yeah. You're making me think about the stress, like the stress factor and how for 20 years I lived in a constant state of stress. And I always think about like cortisol is a stress hormone. It Mm -hmm. makes you hold on to fat around your stomach. But I was just like, almost like the, my whole body just was like bloated, like, and I was restricting and I was obsessive. And I, when I just like say, I, it sounds so simple. I'm like, I just started eating and listening to my body. I've said it already today. And the weight just kind of fell away and my body just kind of leveled out. But the stress is probably what, because I wasn't living in that stress anymore and my body wasn't like, it just, that's how it let, let go of it. I'm just not in the stress. Cause I didn't really have like a, explanation. I was like, I just started eating when I was hungry, eating a lot more, stopping when I was full, not really obsessing if I didn't get a workout in and my body, I lost the weight and have been able to maintain it. But stress is probably a big component of that. Yeah. And you, it sounds like from what you do now, you reserve stressing your body for a very short interval of time when you work out. Yeah. And, and that's how it should be. I mean, I, (laughs) I mean, I have so much like respect for your working out because you, I've seen your Instagram. (laughs) You know what? I don't work out nearly at the level that you describe. Like I'm so not the athlete. I have two left feet. I, I, (laughs) it's, it's actually funny because I was never a cardio person Mm -hmm. ever, ever, ever. Um, I was reading oxygen mags when I was 20. And so I was like, it's all about weightlifting and, 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 and they hated cardio, so it it was perfect for me. You know, I could I could just do weights, and I'd have to say that till like recently, like the like six months or so, I did weights only because I loved the aesthetic results. Yeah, and I kind of mentally hit a low point a few months ago, and something was telling me I need endorphins and I need to sweat a lot, which. I've never done in my life. Like I really didn't do cardio. And so I I was like, Sharon, you, you need to do it. And you know, everyone had Peloton everywhere. And I was like, mm-hmm. do I get the Peloton? Do I not get the Peloton? It's such a stupid price. <laughs> um, great payment plan. But I was just like, so embarrassed. I ended up getting it and didn't even put it on my stories for two months. Cause I was like, I can't believe I bought that, but it got me into doing cardio. And I knew when I got it that I would have to sacrifice my weightlifting and therefore I would have to sacrifice some aesthetic results from that. And I'm very proud of myself actually, because I don't think I could have done that until now because I didn't even realize it, but I had a lot of body image issues that actually a client made me realize. Really? Um, Yeah. I'm happy to talk about that. She's amazing. Um, yeah, so I was working with uh, now my good friend Allison. Uh, she's 
she's just amazing. She used to send me videos on Instagram. You know how you can like share just with certain, like a, it's like you do stories, but it's just for one person. Yeah. So she would do stories and one day, and this wasn't, I mean, she's lost over 40 pounds, but this was really at the beginning of her weight loss journey. She sent me a story and she was literally holding her rolls and she's going, I love my rolls. I love my body. I love every inch of me. And I, it hit me. I've never done that. I don't know if I could ever do that. And do I have a problem? Yeah. Um, And I realized that I did. Like I went to the beach. I always had a cover up. And so I healed my relationship with food before I started to heal my relationship with my body. I, uh, yeah, yes, crazy. same. So I realized like we were talking at the beginning, like I was like, I'm healed. I don't throw up my food. Everything's fine. And I had the CEO of an eating disorder foundation on like this and we're talking and I would be like, and I lost the weight. And she kept going, Ugh. and I was like, and lost 20 pounds. And she'd be like, and I was like, what is this? Like, and she's like, no, no, no. I mean, I'm not your therapist. And I was like, no, tell me. And she said, you are happy now because your fat phobia was satisfied. And she's like, you may not abuse your body, but it's still about a physical ideal. And you're able, you're talk, she goes, if you hadn't lost 20 pounds and you just started living with balance, would you have written the book? And I was like, absolutely not. And she's like, that's what you need to address. She's like, you're, you don't have an eating disorder, but you're, it's all about the physical ideal. And all of these things that you're telling women to do is to get to the physical ideal where you should be able to be happy at any weight. And I, I wouldn't be like, I, I wouldn't. And so I do still have that. And I do see a therapist. I have anxiety and all the things, but I realized, I was like, Oh, like I, I'm writing this book. Like, this is how I healed. And she's like, I don't believe that you have an eating disorder. Like I'm it's, but the mindset that it's about a physical ideal. And I've always been that way. And I hope someone is hearing, I heard you say it twice, the, you wanted to wait lift for the physical result though. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of women think cardio is what they're supposed to be doing. And aside from the physical result, which we both own that we care about physical appearance, lifting also does a lot for your metabolism in terms of weight loss too. And I think women think burn the calories and see all the calories go up on the treadmill or the stair climber and just work off those calories. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Uh, exercise is not a good weight loss tool. I, it's, Whoa. it's, yeah, it's n- <laughs> absolutely not a good weight loss tool. I encourage everyone to exercise because it does. Well, first of all, mentally, I mean, when I actually started weightlifting consistently, I had a coach, Susan Niebergall, she's amazing that I had a h- huge mental shift too on top of aesthetics so it's it's important it's good to get muscle muscle is metabolically active so it's helpful but so many people will exercise to lose weight and that's the problem because we first of all we underestimate big time how many calories we burn and there's a huge effect on hunger sometimes and so we will compensate by eating too much and it's just the wrong mindset. Like we're not robots. It's not like a precise calculation of we burn this many calories. And so then we can eat this brownie, which has that many calories. I mean, it's just, it just doesn't work that I way. I used to like, do that. I had no carbs. Yeah. And it was like shredded lettuce, five, apple, 80. And then I'd be like 306. 
didn't go on the elliptical, 306, I'm good, canceled out. But I was 20 pounds heavier. It, because, yeah, because there is just no exact, yeah, it, it doesn't. And so we should all exercise. It's part of just taking care of ourselves and our minds and our bodies. But going, going to the gym for a weight loss purpose is going to backfire. It's, it's not going to work. So you can't out train a bad diet. Like they say, no. it's all, it's so weight loss. Your focus should be on your nutrition yeah. on food. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. so, and the benefit, the ex exercise is just like, well, I get what you're saying because I'll preach all the time. Now I just lift, but people are like, you just went for a run. I go for a run so I can listen to my music and I'm not listening to wheels on the bus and my kids <laughs> are at school and I get like a, like an hour of just like my music and I come back and it's like the endorphins. Like you said, I feel yeah. so much better. That's more like a spiritual thing. It's not for weight loss because I didn't lose weight doing cardio, but no. I need it. It's, it's the adrenaline. Like if I get a workout and I'm just better, I'm not, anxious and short with my kids like I do it for my mental health <laughs> yeah and it's I again like the cardio I I never really experienced it and mm -hmm. it does like it changed I feel like it changes my brain chemistry I mean my ass isn't happy no that's what I was about to say like I, it's a, a phenomenal workout but it hurts like for three days I can't walk and everybody's like you just have to get past that you'll get used to it but that's the thing about spinning for me I can't sit on that seat Oh, well, I was actually, I meant in the sense of like, it's oh. not happy. It doesn't, it is not as, it's not as firm. I mean, it's, it's, it's like, please give me, you know, the weightlifting back. But I, I've had to cut back on it in order to make time for the cardio. And like, at this point, I'm, I'm okay. I'm yeah. okay with it. Like, I'm too. like, you're going to be okay, okay if you switch out it. Like, even my, my mom would tell me, she's like, you just go for a run every day. Your body is used to that run. And this is when I was 20 pounds heavier and so frustrated. Mm -hmm. She's like, you have yeah. to change it up. So your body doesn't adapt to it. Cause you're not getting anything out of it. And I would be like, no calories in versus calories out burn more than I put in. And I was so, it's so scary. Like I said, I wrote about that in the book when my trainer was like, yeah. you need to eat more. And I was like, no, 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 you, you eat less than you burn. And I, that was just what I thought. And it was hard for me to trust him, but it was like, at this point, <laughs> what else do yeah. I have to lose except weight? And it worked. And I hear myself saying it's not about a weight loss, but for someone that is frustrated, I said, I should have called the book to the woman working out and not seeing results. And the woman that was me that is barely eating, only eating salads with dressing on the side and no cheese and cardio seven days a week and being about to have a panic attack if you can't get in a workout on vacation and stress because you're doing all the right things and not losing weight, try it this way. Eat more often, lift yes. heavier than you are and watch what happens because it's not what women are taught. Absolutely. And that's why I loved, <laughs> I loved your book so much because it was like, everyone needs to hear this. I, you, you were lucky that you found this trainer. I, I want to like hug them yeah. um, who, who picked up that you were under eating and stressing yourself out. I, I'm just a huge fan of, of what you preach about eating when you're hungry, eating real food and working out and you work out hard when you do. I do, so but that, I, I work out hard, but four days a week. And yes, I think exactly. you couldn't pay me to not work out seven days a week. I would just be like, and then again, the stress, but I do. And I, there was a chapter about that too. I actually got some pushback about that because people are like, 
oh, run until you can't see straight. And I was like, oh, oh this is what I mean. Like I yeah. thought I was really like getting it in. And like I was, you know, I do my 45 minutes and then I met these girls at my gym and I saw them like going faster and like they had kids and they're my age. And I was like, I realized there's another level of working out that I hadn't even tapped into yet. And once I started working out at that level a few times a week, and the other thing is you don't need to work out for an hour. Like I have a yeah. treadmill workout that's 20 minutes, but you push your body and then that's it. And then you rest, I wasn't taking rest days. And then it's like, you're tearing down your muscles when you're lifting. And then the next day, that's when they repair and build back stronger. There was no rest days for me. So there was no rebuild. I was just every day. And now it's helping me to rest, which would never have happened <laughs> like 10 years ago. I'm not taking a day off. I see like on Instagram, there's like hashtag team no days off. And that's I, nuts. I, yeah. Well, I didn't work. It didn't work for me. No, I mean, my coach, when I was really with the weightlifting, Susan, she also used to work out six, seven days a week. And her coach, Jordan Syatt, I don't know if you're, he's, you know, Jordan, he's amazing. He, he's, he's everything just inspirational, but he told her cut down to four days and that's when she started getting results. And so yes. this is, yeah. The, and that, you can strategically that place them. Yeah. Like what I, I'll work out, typically I'll work out Monday and Tuesday take a rest day mm -hmm. in the middle of the week, Thursday and Friday, and then weekends I'm with my family. So you don't feel like you're taking three days off in a row, spread it out, give yourself a rest day, give yourself the weekend. And it is a mental mind shift that you're not working out every day. And it's like, you're going to gain weight. But I've had so many people have been like, it's so funny. I, I stopped working out and they weigh this either they lost weight or they weigh the same. And they could not imagine like they were spending seven days in the gym and they weigh the same when they're not even working out. It's just, trusting and i feel like i wrote that book to be like i get it i know <laughs> i was that I, I i would never take a day off that's why i wanted to write and again like no credentials but i played division one soccer i i know how to lift um so i don't know i felt like i could I, it wasn't like a instructional book that's what when somebody was like the, the tips are the tips are good but like who is this woman this is just my story it yeah. worked for me and yeah. I can't not share it to the woman yeah. that like 10 years ago is on the ellipticals frustrated. Tr yeah. Here is what I found. Do this, you know? And I'm sure it helps so many who are trapped in that thinking to get out of it. Yeah. The eating yeah. disorder part too, Sharon, like yeah. I self-published my book. So, I mean, I, it's only um, marketed on my Instagram. I don't have like a publisher behind it, but it finds mm -hmm. it to these women who I feel like we're supposed to have it. And they will message me and be like, you're the only person I've ever told, not my husband, that I was bulimic. And like, you were just so wow. open about it. And I wasn't for so long, I was gonna go to my grave with that. Like, but a writing coach was like, I'm writing the story, uh, the, my book. And I was like, I want it to be the woman working out and not seeing results, do this, this, and this. And she's like, but, and like, I'm on the cover with abs. And she's like, why would anybody like listen to you? Like, you don't have any credibility. And I was like, like they, you could have always looked like this. And I can't, I didn't even want to tell her. I was just like, no, trust me. But like my family doesn't know. I'm not going to, I don't need to tell this. I just want to help the woman who's working out and not seeing results. And she's like, you have to tell your story of how you came to the balance. And I'm so glad that she pushed me to do it because now all these women that are like, I never thought I, I can't get out of this. And I thought the same thing you can. And it's like showing somebody even 20 years of disordered eating and horrible, like negative body image, I came out of it and here's exactly how I did that. <laughs> so 
that's what it ended up being. And you're very clear that this is what worked for you. Okay, good. I'm glad that you yeah. think that because yeah. I have no credentials. Yeah. I think about it sometime that I'm like, I kind of you know like, what they're I like how I talk to people that's not like <laughs> your real deltoid should be like I just want to. I feel like I'd be like do this and people. Yeah, I can just talk like a lay person, not a fitness like. I mean, I feel like I speak like a lay person, and you that's do. That, been... you do. I like that when you're like oh, masters from Columbia, you don't yeah. talk down to people. Like you, I mean, I, I love your I, account. I feel like I physically, I not even, I, I just can't. Like I, yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's also an insecurity. Uh, See, I even trip over my words. It's an insecurity of mine. I saw I that on the story. Can we talk about that? I saw yeah. an Instagram <laughs> yesterday, two days ago, when you were yeah, talking sometime. about that, like um, speaking and people making yeah. comments. Yeah. I mean, I've always had an insecurity about, communicating because and I don't know what it's from I mean I had a speech delay as a child my parents were immigrants so their English were, was like completely off and I was a very shy kid and yeah. so I never um talked a lot and I think I had in my head that like if you're a smart person you can speak extremely eloquently and appear you know erudite I don't even know if he pronounced it that way I mean that's the yeah. thing it's like I I search for the right word all the time, but I have a message that I want to get out there because I did struggle for so long. I did binge and I didn't purge. I tried in high school <laughs> once. You said it didn't work. <laughs> it didn't work. I, I wish petrified. it didn't work for me. I could have gotten my life back. I, I, you know, I think about it often. I'm like, what if it had worked? I mean, what would have been? And I just, really quickly, I wanted to ask, what's your birth order? Um, I'm... I'm the second. You're not firstborn. I know. So no. you were, if you're susceptible to the environment that you were in with your mom and mm -hmm. that, and you were a type A perfectionist firstborn, I bet it would have gone right to an eating disorder because that's what it did for me. And I feel like yeah. you were, because you're not that, you said you're, you want to be type I'm not, A. I'm a not. wannabe. I'm a wannabe type A. <laughs> I like wannabe. look at the type A's and I'm like, give me some of that. She wrote that <laughs> saved you. I swear it did because you're not a perfectionist. It was like, she was saying these things and they were just kind of like, Psh going by yeah. you. mine was like boom like i everything i was like diet calories and not that it's my mom's fault it's my mom raised four girls and all three of my sisters no, no one had a problem it was that i was more susceptible as a perfectionist firstborn so i feel like you were lucky like you want to be a type a but maybe you don't i mean i i still didn't come out like unscathed yeah I, <laughs> that's true well who does yeah, I I def I would eat until my stomach would feel like it's going to burst and then I would swear off, you know, anything yeah. with sugar or delicious for the rest of my life and so I would restrict and I at times I think I had orthorexia. Um I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Yeah, and, and if Can you tell, tell anyone, what that is in case anybody doesn't know. Yeah, um it's when someone restricts so much uh like certain food groups or or foods like dairy, gluten, sugar, nightshades. I mean, every like single category to the point where you really don't have much to eat no, anymore. And you're always like looking at the ingredients of things, like making sure. Yes. Like yes. A obsession on like healthy eating almost. Yeah. And I always used something as an excuse. Like I had terrible IBS mm -hmm. growing up, like terrible. So it would be like, I can't eat that because it might, you know, do something to my stomach. Um, and then after my first was born, I didn't realize this at the time, but I had horrible postpartum to the point that my joints were killing me. I, I, 
and I went from doctor to doctor thinking like, this has to be arthritis, but I didn't have any protein markers for it. Um, and it got to the point, like sometimes I couldn't even blow dry my hair. I had to go get it blow dried for a wedding because I, I couldn't move my it wrist, oh. it, but there was no swelling. So it was really strange. And finally I went to a doctor and they're like, you know what? Cymbalta might help you. And I'm like, isn't that for depression? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, oh, wow. And I, I realized that my body was manifesting depression through pain because that was something that I would never acknowledged wow. that I have. Um, and thankfully my kids got a little bit older. I started sleeping more. I was aware that I was feeling that way. So I was able to self care and, and it went away. But at that time I thought I had an autoimmune disease. And so I was like, practically doing keto, you know, in, in order to, I was researching like how to um, treat an autoimmune disease using food, but it was mm -hmm. so restrictive. So yeah, that's a, <laughs> just went into like a tangent there, but. No, I, you need to, cause like people are like nutritionists, yeah. like she won't be able to relate to any of this. You're just probably like, oh, that's please. what I thought. You were like, oh, oh please. Balanced. No. no, it took me so long. It took me going to school and, being trained in, in reading studies and, and realizing that, you know, it does come down to a calorie deficit, which I rebelled against that whole time that there was really no, like a bad food. Um, but that was just the beginning because it, it's like one tiny piece, you know, you can tell someone get into a calorie deficit. It's a very simple concept. It's an extremely complicated, um, mm -hmm. thing to achieve in a healthy way with a healthy mindset, finding balance. Yes. And you're, That's you're, when you coach people, talk about like mm -hmm. exactly what you do for people. Cause I think you said it's more about their mental health and the mindset shift than mm -hmm. it is giving them exactly like a, my fitness pal, everything. Oh yeah. I don't give, I don't give meal plans. I don't, I don't give anything. I have my clients keep a food log. Mm -hmm. So most of them just keep it on a note notes app on their phone as they're eating, they just jot it down and they send it to me, but they don't just send it to me. Like, here's my food. And my job is to like pick at it. It's quite the opposite. They send me how, how is their day? How did they feel? What, what was their mood? What was their energy? Like they write me like, I feel like I'm like a nutritionist, like pen pal. And I, 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 I read what they write, and if I catch anything negative at all, I go in there. It's like, why, why are we framing it like this? Let's think about it this way. I, I don't believe that negativity in any amount or, or shape or form belongs in this journey. It is so counterproductive. And so if, if someone goes, oh, I ate too much cake, I go, I hope that cake was delicious. I hope you enjoyed every bite of it. You know, it's, it's reframing. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, if, if they didn't feel good about it though, it's like, well, what was happening around that time? Like, what was the situation? Cause it's inevitable that that situation is going to come up again. Yeah. And, and so maybe for next time you have more tools at your disposal, but never to feel bad about it. Yeah. That's really my goal. No, not, I, not having that food shame. Ever. Ever. Yeah. I think yeah. that when you make foods bad or off limits, um, it makes them almost like you, they're 
more tempting. Like you want them even more and then you think about it. But if you make something a part of your life, it's almost not as like exciting anymore. Like it's cake. Like I yeah. have like cake or something with my coffee in the morning and it's just a part of my life. But when I didn't eat cake and I would never even look at cake, it was like looming and it was, it had this power over me. And then you get to the point where if you don't let yourself have it, what I would do is I would like, I would go to a wedding or something. And I, if I have a little bit of cake, I would eat all the cake. Cause like you said, like I just, I'm, I'm eating cake. So I might as well eat all the You already cake. blew it. Yeah. You I blew it. Blew you it. might same, as well. Same thing yeah. with drinking. Like I, <sighs> wine and margaritas are part of my lifestyle. So I can have a glass or two and stop. If before it would be like no alcohol because calories and sugar, um, except one day a week or something, or you go to a wedding again and you have a glass of wine, I'd be like, I blew it. Now I'm going to have mm -hmm. a bottle of wine and you just go overboard because it's not something that's a part of your lifestyle. But if you allow for those daily indulgences, you don't hate your life, you don't yeah. overdo it. And you don't, I, don't, I hate to say quit because it's not a diet, but you don't stop living the healthy lifestyle because it's just a sustainable thing that you you don't feel like you're missing anything anymore and it's not a start over on monday because i ate the cake it's just i ate the cake so don't eat the cake tonight like you just make a little allowance for it in the day and it's balance a hundred percent that is the goal and i hope that's my hope for everyone is that they can achieve that i love it because it changes your life yes if you have your one, like the most bang for your buck nutrition tip that you would give somebody like it's starting again, I'm going back to weight loss, but it's, it's because people that are watching that reach mm -hmm. out to me, like I'm doing this, this, and this, yeah. what do you tell them? And they're not losing weight or their metabolism. To, how do you, mm -hmm. what's your bang for your buck nutrition tip? Protein. Ooh, protein. It is a secret weapon in so many ways. And every single person that comes to me is always eating too little protein because they think it's about the calories. Yes. So they keep the calories low, but their diet is mostly simple sugars, you know, and, and fat and very little protein. Protein, it revs up your metabolism. It really does. It speaks to your hormones so that you're not feeling as hungry or craving as many carbs, especially if you find yourself in the afternoon and evening, just not being able to get full and very munchy, it's usually because your breakfast lacked protein. Wow. A really good protein breakfast um, included in every meal, snack. It's hard because they're, it's kind of boring. Like nobody craves protein. Bacon, um, I crave bacon. I guess that's more <laughs> okay. fat than protein. Yeah, <laughs> it's like fat with a protein bonus. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it, it's not, protein isn't sexy in any way, yeah. but it is, if you're looking for weight loss, get your protein. I like the crowding out um, way of losing weight, which means instead of thinking, what what are you going to take away? Mm -hmm. You're thinking, what can I add in? Love so on my client's logs, I'll be like, more of that, more of that, like more, you know, more vegetables, because then you naturally eat less of the things that aren't as conducive to weight loss. So crowd out your diet with protein. Love Don't forget it. about everything else. Yeah, but that's it. The, somebody's probably not thinking that. They're just thinking like low calorie, like, you know, you're not thinking yeah. protein. Protein keeps you full longer. Yeah. So I knew that part mm -hmm. about it, but so good. And protein at breakfast. Yeah. Um, if anyone is on here feeling inspired and wants to start with you, how do they find you? Oh, you can just head over to my Instagram, Superior Nutrition, and 
I answer DMs. So yeah, shoot me a DM. I do. That's how I got yeah. you. <laughs> thank you I so do. much for doing this and for all your time. I, I oh, love it. Thank Such you. A good episode. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Okay. Thank you so much for listening to the Squats and Margaritas podcast. If you haven't subscribed, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And I'll see you next week for a brand new episode of Squats and Margaritas. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.